Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Warriors This Week continues on 95.7 The Game. Hour number two, John Dickinson and Dan Devone, 888-957-9570. It's Warriors this week. Here until noon, Warriors tipping off the six-game homestand tonight. Cleveland going at it against the Warriors, and then that's going to be it for the the two-game season series. Cavs got the better of the dubs six nights ago on Sunday in Cleveland, part of the Warriors road trip where they went 2-2 two and two as the Cavs beat the Warriors 115-104. to Cleveland's size in that game, and I know we got D and DC, we'll get to the phone lines, but Cleveland's size in that game hurt the Warriors. 58-24 points in the paint, and it was it was really twofold. The, the Cavs were 29 of 41, so they were extremely efficient in the paint, over 70%. The Warriors 12 of 32. So it, it, to me, it's not always just about the amount of, of paint points and the like, and, and the Cavs did a, a great job on the boards as well. But it's it's they're able to finish in there and get what they want, and you're not able to finish in there and get what you want when you do get in there. To me, that was a disparity in a game where the Warriors did hang around, uh, but ultimately uh, the Cavs proved to be too tough of a matchup on that night. Yeah, and I think teams like that are, and historically have always given the Warriors problems because the Warriors have never been big, and again, this year is no different. I mean, you're going to go with Looney. And don't want to be. No. And real, you know, to a certain extent, don't want to be. Yeah, because the trade-off is on the offensive end, is that that's where you want to make up the difference, is that the ability to get out and run and slash and take adv- advantage of bigs who uh, ideally or theoretically can't stay in front of you, so the Warriors will take advantage either with the three or the movement of their offense where you know you have a, a bigger guy at 7 feet 6'11 that just simply can't stay in front of the Clay Thompsons or the Andrew Wiggins when he has it going. So, you know, there's a trade-off there and the and the Warriors will, you know, over the course of an entire season, the Warriors like their chances of coming out on top more often than not against teams like that. And and you know, teams with size, while they have bothered the Warriors, the Warriors have been in these games, you know, even with Jokic doing what he did, and, and the Nuggets have some length as well, in addition to the, the best big in the league in, in Jokic, and the Warriors are 
didn't didn't come out on top in those games, but but hung around in in those games, uh, despite the fact that that the size was impactful for for their opponents. So eight at eight nine five seven ninety five seventy Minnesota tomorrow and Tuesday Oklahoma City. Thursday and a week from tonight, and then Houston to close out that trip. couple of the two-game short series, mini-series for the Warriors uh, with some other teams traveling through the Bay. Let's get to D, uh, as promised here, in Washington, D.C. on 95.7 The Game. What's going on, D? What up, what up, what up? D&D. I love that. I love that. I love that. Hey, uh, Devon, this is me, man, your favorite coconut. So how, how y'all doing out there? <laughs> Not much, bro. Not much. Listen, um, first of all, I, I, I want you guys to, to, to address the fact that Poole is no longer there. And one of the reasons why our second unit has stability in it now is because of CP3. Uh, I mean, you, you guys can't deny that. Um, we, As you can see, the team is, is looking a lot better. I mean, the chemistry is better. Even the youngsters are thriving. It's mainly because now there's some maturity on the court with them. Uh, but Above all, I still think the lack of size is going to be an issue for the Warriors. Unfortunately, um, the next couple of games, tonight's game and also the next game versus um, Minnesota, is, gonna, is definitely going to expose that. Because, I mean, a tall front court who can rebound the ball and defend will definitely cause the Warriors some major, major issues. Anyway, I'm going to hang up and listen to you guys from the other side. Yeah, I mean, styles make fights, and and there are, I think, a few more teams in the NBA now that that have some of that more traditional size, and the Warriors are going to see two of them back-to-back nights here at at Chase between Cleveland and and Minnesota, and then Minnesota again on Tuesday, as the Timberwolves will just hang out in the Bay and get their their San Francisco trip in over, over three nights, but... Styles make fights, and let's see how the Warriors can overcome it, or or does it ultimately do them in? They're they're not going to lose. I know sometimes it feels that way, and I, I think the the fans and the callers get get worked up about it. The Warriors don't lose every single game to teams with size, as much as it is problematic, because they have some things, as you alluded to, that that they can do to try and combat it and use it to their advantage as well. D also wanted to talk about Jordan Poole. D, come on, did you not get? The edict from that of our coach, Steve Kerr, we're supposed to move on. It was funny. Did you see Steph Curry caught himself in the press conference the other day? Oh, yeah. I'm not, wanna... I'm not talking about last year. Uh, but And, and what will be interesting to see when Draymond comes back, whether he wants to indirectly go after Jordan Poole. Hopefully he's going to put that bag down and move on. Because you know what? I think at this point, he's making Jordan Poole look like the guy who's taking the high road because we haven't heard anything out of Jordan Poole. So... It's time for Draymond to move on from Jordan Poole. But, however, D, I will feed the beast for you because I happened to on NBA ticket. I just I just saw Washington, and I had to just check in on their game against Charlotte. And I zone in on Jordan Poole, and I kid you not, he was big. He had a huge game. This is, I think, Jordan Poole's career going forward. He had a big game offensively, and the game was played out in D.C., and people were going nuts. But I just isolated him on defense there were two plays. I, I kid you not, he was watching Gordon Hayward. And Hayward was isolated in the corner. And Jordan Poole was watching the action, watching the, the point guard. And he had his back to Hayward. And he got burnt backdoor on two plays that were just... He literally had his hands on his side watching the action. 
and got burnt so bad. And what, what stuck out to me, and, I, and we're all going to move on from Jordan Poole. promise you this is the only mention he's going to get here this morning. But what jumped out to me is immediately following that play, if that's, if that's Golden State, S- Steve Kerr, maybe Draymond can't do it anymore, but, or Steph Curry, somebody's going to say, hey, come on, man, what was that? But because it's Washington and you develop bad habits, and this is the place where, and a lot of teams are like this in the NBA, like, that's okay, it's the NBA, it's accepted policy here. There was just like, okay, let's get the ball and go the other way. And there was no reprimand, there was no like, no, that's not tolerated here with this team. And I'm like, wow. Just to see him get blatantly beat backdoor and on such obvious breakdowns by Jordan Poole, and for there to be no clap back, I think just sort of sums up where he's at and where he belongs going forward. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have every opportunity to 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 do whatever the hell he wants. I, I think with the way Washington is is constructed currently, and they're going to lose a lot of games, and he's going to get paid. And 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 look, I I think Jordan Poole does want to be a winning player. I think he wants to be a winning player doing it the way he wants to do it with a lot of offense and not a lot of defense. And look, I, the one thing I don't really, and I haven't watched Washington a lick. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I watch a ton of NBA. Uh, I love watching the, the, the top, you know, four or five teams for the most part in the East. And, and, and I'll watch the rest of the East because I do like watching the, the, the Boston's and the Milwaukee's and Philly. Uh, so if those teams are playing some of those other teams, you know, Miami might sneak in there here and there. Uh, then, then I'll, I'll get my fill of those teams at, at that point. But Washington has not, to this point, made the cut. And so just my, my sta- I'll relate this back to Jordan Poole. Uh, you, you cannot deny, as Dean Washington said, the fact that you know, Jordan Poole's departure with Chris Paul's addition has helped flip this team. Now, it doesn't mean we have to... You know, dig in on Jordan Poole, and I'm I'm not coming down your road here. I mean, you were watching a game and you noticed a couple of plays. I'm not going to dig in on Jordan Poole's game, you know, with Washington and and oh, he would have done this, he wouldn't have done that, like all the. It just like to me, it's like he's gone. The Warriors, at least for this season, are better for it because the pieces fit together. Whether it was Draymond's fault or Jordan Poole's fault or or whatever combination of the two for for everything that happened last year, it. It, it needed to be moved on from, and the Warriors moved on from it. And now, you know, it's let's see how this season shakes out for, for Golden State. And I will say this. There is still, as well as everything is gone, and I'm not, I'm not by any stretch saying the Warriors shouldn't have made the trade. Like, I, I came out May, whatever it was, in the you know week to 10 day. When, when you heard the way that the, the Warriors' core players were talking, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Steve Kerr, we're running it back like that to me told you that Jordan Poole was gone immediately. <laughs> like it, he was, he was gone and they were, and they were probably going to look at Kaminga, you know, maybe trading Kaminga, maybe not. They wound up not Kaminga's help. That's fine. They, they couldn't find a deal for him. There's no reason to give up on him too quick, but Poole was going to be gone. And so it, it, it worked out to their benefit. It has at least to this point, I still think, you know, the Warriors won a lot of games when Curry was out last year because Poole was able to get in there and score, and they needed that in the regular season. So I'm, I don't, I'm not saying you don't make the deal. It's it, but I am interested. Well, I, I don't know. For, I don't know if Warrior fans are interested to see this, how it's going to function if Steph has to miss games because I think we've we've seen how it's functioned 
when they've had that top 10 and, and the additional two in Jackson Davis and Pajemski and they can get by with a guy here and a guy out being, you know, missing a game here or a game there, what happens, and that's one of the big concerns for me, if Steph or Clay or CP3 has to you know, miss, you know, what, what if the bench group doesn't have CP3 for a month? What if Steph has to miss 15 games in a stretch like he did right around you know, the middle of December and, and the holidays last year? Like, how does this Warriors team function then, and what will their record be at the end of that? Yeah, I think that's, that's really the X factor in all of this. And just one more thing on Jordan Poole, simply because, uh, yeah, I'm that guy who needs to get a life and move on. But he did... I just don't care. It's no, no, again, I'm not. I'm not busting you. It's just like you know what? Fine. Go go do your thing, JP. So he feigned a couple of injuries. I'm just saying, as a fan, I like. I don't miss that. Or he's like, oh my knee. I just tore my ACL in three different spots. Oh, and then he gets up and walks to the free throw line. Like I, I'm out on that. Do you out in Washington have fun, Jordan Poole? But now, getting back to it, this, sort of harkens to what I was saying earlier. Back to. Is this a one-dimensional team that if Steph goes down with an injury or Steph has an off night or if the bench isn't playing well and Chris Paul's out, who is who steps up? Because getting you know again just to underline the fact that no starter has twenty or more points and we're almost double digits into the season, it's it's sort of alarming, especially for a team like that of the Golden State Warriors. We talked about Clay, who I think is much more judicious in his shot selection and is almost making a conscious effort to not shoot the ball as often. Well, with that, he's not, you know, he's not that guy that's erupted for 25, 30 points. Who typically at this stage of the game of a season, you would you would have at least one of those contests. And then I think he gets back to Andrew Wiggins, who I, you know, I'd like to discuss a little bit further, but I think that uh, is this just, you know, Steph Curry has got to light it up for 30, 35, 40, maybe 45 in order for the Warriors you know, not only to win a game, but to win a title. And if that's what you're betting on, you know, that's a really risky proposition going forward. It is. I, I think we need to see more because I, I do th- I think you know, so far, and I wouldn't call the Warriors one-dimensional either. I, I, I think they have scores that are capable. I think they have their system that they, that they continue to run. I think they've tweaked it some with the addition of Chris Paul. And, and try to maximize the way that they play when, when he's in the game and, and able to facilitate, especially with that bench group. I, I think they've I think I think they have players that could do different things in the context of their framework. I, I just don't think it's it's happened yet on a on a consistent basis where you've got you know the three guys getting twenty or even two guys getting twenty and then everybody else falling in line. But they have been getting more than a, when you're you know. When you're outscoring the opposing bench at the level that the Warriors have outscored opposing benches to begin this season, and it was 42-12 in the game against Denver the other night, and the numbers are just gaudy when you look at at, at the totality of of what the Warriors have have been able to do at at this point. Uh, They're plus 137. Off the bench, the Warriors are plus one thirty-seven, and I was reading this in the in the game notes for tonight. They're, they're, it's basically forty-one twenty-six every game. The Warriors are outscoring the the opposition's bench by an average of plus fifteen to this point in the season. So you know it's you, you at some point you kind of feel like you know it's there. You know Clay Thompson is at some point going to have a month or two where he goes completely off. 
I, I, in a good way, I love the fact that Clay's been so disciplined in, in his game to this point because you still know that the hot streak is coming. The key to me for Clay was can you have the hot streaks that you had that, that you know, bloated your overall numbers into being really good by the end of the year without having the horrible games? And I think he's avoided the horrible games, which. When he avoids the horrible games, the Warriors can still win those games, and 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 that's the end of the end of the you know that ultimately is the goal at the end of the day. Wiggins is the guy. I mean, it really is Wiggins. It's it's can Wig because Wiggins does look like something's going on. He's a little bit lost. You know, he has that that, and I hate doing this because I'm a quieter type myself. You know, when, when things don't go well and you're a quieter type player, everybody wants to analyze your mood and, and what's going on and, and, you know, do you have the fire and do you have the dog? And, you know, that's something that's kind of dogged Wiggins throughout the, the course of his career. And, and at times I think his play as a former number one pick had, had warranted that. To me, he's the one that they've got to figure out more consistency from because everybody else, I think, has given you the bare minimum to this point except him. I would agree with you. And I think that the 6-3 and three start, when you consider what Wiggins has done and or hasn't done up to this point, makes it even that much more uh, remarkable. M- maybe, I-, I haven't listened to all the shows throughout the week, but but maybe... Uh, I'm I'm alone in this sort of you know take and or thought process. I I don't have an issue with with Andrew Wiggins up to this point. And what I mean by that is that should should any of us be surprised? This is to your point who the cat is. He's a bit of an introvert. He disappears at times. I would say just about every year he's been with the Warriors. There's there's these moments throughout the season where there's this level of frustration of like where are you? Where is that? You know, where's that guy that went baseline and dunked on Carl Anthony Towns? Where's that dog? And and even this year, it's not a matter of him not shooting enough. It's just not going in for whatever reason. But he has a tendency to check out. And I think at this point, you got to just recognize that's who the cat is. Love or hate, that's just who he is. But you can also, and I'm pretty confident because I've seen enough of this, where that you know at some point, He's going to turn it on. And let's not forget, it was just two short years ago when they won the NBA championship. And this is a guy that he might be 30s. He still might be in his 20s. He's still still in his 20s. They won the title two years ago. He was the second best player. And there are those that said that he should have been the MVP. He was that good. And I, I don't, I've heard people say we should consider a trade. He's got to go to the bench. What's going on? Enough of this. Now, typically, you know, these lulls don't happen at the beginning of the season which I think has really sort of magnified things. But we, we've, we've sung this tune before. We have seen this. This is not new to anybody. He has moments where this guy just goes on Planet Wiggins, and then he comes back. But when he does come back, he's one of the streakiest players I've seen as well, where he can, you know, he'll put it on the deck and dunk on anybody. That turnaround when it's working is as smooth as it gets. He hits threes. He's a very, you know, he's a streaky type player. And just like anybody who's streaky in life, there are moments when you do really well. And there are other moments where you just got to bite the bullet and saying, ah, he just climbed into that cave that he often goes into. But I have, I have complete confidence that he's going to come out of this sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I don't know that I have the, the, the confidence level that it's going to get dramatically better. 
Uh, I, I also don't know that it necessarily has to get dramatically better. I, I think it is a good sign that the Warriors have been able to win at the level that they have without him playing well. I, I just think up and down the Warriors roster, he's the one player. And, and we, you know, we've talked about Kaminga with the bad, you know, bad first halves and then pretty good second halves. So I, I think overall he's been, you know, if, if, if Kaminga's been, let's say, an F in the first half and an A in the second half a lot, all right, well, he's, 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 a, he's played at a C level, you know, at, at, you know, overall, right? And that's that you can live with, I, I think, at this point. I, but, you know, Steph's done his thing, Clay, we've talked about. Looney's been solid. Saric, all the bench guys, you know, Pajem, you know, I'm sorry, Moody has been pretty good in his time. Wiggins is the one guy where I just think it's, it's he's on a different level of what's going on here here to start the season and and the one that that I think they're going to have to try to to really you know figure out how to get I don't know if it's running more plays for him at the beginning of of games I know Steve Kerr has mentioned that at different points throughout the years since Wiggins has, has gotten here that 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 he can do a better job trying to make sure that he's involved offensively and when he gets involved offensively he's much more you know, engaged in the in the game all around because you know he's somebody that can make up the difference with hustle plays and rebounding and easy twos and and all those things that are so complimentary to everything else that the Warriors do. He's just checked out, and I don't know the reason why. I don't know if it's you know something personal, but he's just not there. It's just you know, there's you you can clearly yeah, see that. I just I have a hard time saying he's checked out. I just I, again I and, and again I'm not I'm not. If you want to say that, I think there's a lot of people that that believe that believe that, and that's fine if that's your opinion. I just I'm really reluctant a, a guy that that is the, of that quiet type when things don't go well, where you're like, yeah, you know what, head in in it. He doesn't care. Checked out. Not like, like I just I I don't know. I I just don't feel like that's. Maybe there's something going on that, that we don't know about. Uh, you know, like there was something that, that we ultimately found out some of the details about last year uh, as far as his absence, and he's trying to play through some stuff, and he's got a heavy heart, or he's got some things weighing on him. And, and you know, internally he's showing up every day, which I think is important, and everybody knows he's showing up every day, but nobody's talking about why, and, and maybe nobody you know, feels like they need to be talking about why. But I just, I get, and maybe it's, I'll admit my own bias in this because I'm somebody that at times can be, you know, quiet enough in, in, in a little bit of an introvert in situations where people, you know, might, might think if I'm not, like, what's going on with that guy? Is he okay? Is he, is he into it? Is he, and it's like, hell yeah, I'm into it. But just because I'm not screaming and yelling all the time doesn't mean I'm not into it. So again, I'm not, I'm not, your point is fair. I'm not trying to, no, to no, crush no. you on that. I, I just I just have a hard time going there automatically. Although pe- nobody's had a hard time going there with Wiggins throughout his whole career, yeah, so it's you know it's not like it's nothing either. It, 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 fair enough, fair enough. And I, I think that he just he does whether maybe disengaged is not an appropriate description as well. But I, again, it looks that way. Yeah, like I, I'll say this: it looks that way to the eye test, even if even if maybe that isn't what it really is. It's either that. And or and I'm not making excuses here, but let's not forget. Do you remember that at the end of last year, where you hurt his ribs at the end of, I think it was Game Six against the Lakers. That last, he hurt his ribs in Game Five, and it, he turned out breaking some ribs. And that Game Six, he was just like you could see he was wincing. And after the game, somebody asked him, 
uh, and somebody asked him, hey, hey, how long are you going to be out? Like, if this is the regular season, he's like, I, I'm, this is six to eight weeks. He may still be winded. He, he, he may still be getting his NBA legs. I, I don't know how much of an offseason he had as far as his preparation. We know he's one of the most conditioned athletes. He just may not physically be there again. Not to find excuses for the guy, but the reason why I, I'm not overly concerned, whether it's disinterest, whether it's the fact that he's checked out, maybe that's not the right description, however it is that you want to label it, I, I do think that this guy, and, and you're right, he's the one guy on this team. Jonathan Kaminga is the other, although Jonathan Kaminga is too raw at this point to count on at, at this level, but he's the one guy that if things aren't going well, and forget about Steph being injured, just, just say Steph is not having a good night shooting the basketball. He was the one guy who could... Unlock Steph. In other words, I'll get it going. I'll carry us for four to eight minutes. I'll get my because he doesn't need Clay Thompson needs to come off a a pin down. He's got to come off a screen. He's not typically the guy where you're like just clear out of sight. Here comes Steph. He's going to cross you over, get to the rim, or pull up and hit his jump shot. That's typically not his game. But Andrew Wiggins is that guy. You're right. Andrew Wiggins is so vital to this team that if Steph doesn't have it going. On one of those odd nights or throughout the course of a game, it's Andrew Wiggins who can get his own. Andrew Wiggins is the one guy that you can get up on his face, but he can still create a basket. This is getting back to when the Warriors were at their very best and winning back-to-back titles. You had a younger you know, Steph, and of course you had Clay. but when, when the three ball would dry up, well, Kevin Durant, you go get yours, because Kevin Durant doesn't live on the three, and Kevin Durant can get a myriad of shots and points, and I'm not saying Wiggins is Kevin Durant, but he's that other dimension when things dry up offensively with the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry specifically. I think Andrew Wiggins is the one dude on that team who can make something out of nothing. 888-957-9570. He's Dan Devone. I'm John Dickinson. We're halfway through, flying along here on a Saturday morning. It's Warriors this week. Here until noon, Dubs and Cavs tonight. We're going to have it all for you right here on 95.7 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. All right, halfway through here on a Saturday morning, John Dickinson and Dan Devone. Warriors this week until noon, each and every Saturday morning here on 95.7 The Game, 9 a.m. until noon, talking some dubs, talking some NBA, talking a little Andrew Wiggins with the Warriors sitting at 6-3. Six-game homestand begins tonight. It's Cleveland. It's Minnesota twice. Oklahoma City twice. Oklahoma City uh, on a on a Western trip as they they got beat last night in Sacramento. Kings still playing without De'Aaron Fox, but uh, they've won a couple in a row after dropping uh, the first couple of games, the uh, first three games that they played without Fox. But now they are back to 500 and and just kind of looking around a, a little bit uh, in the the Western Conference right now. Uh, Warriors right there near the top. I think that you know, the one thing I mentioned last week, and just a quick little bit of news also, um, uh, nothing major, but the Warriors have just, I know anytime you see uh, Trace Jackson Davis and, and Brandon Pajemski go down to, to Santa Cruz as they were uh, yesterday, they, they were sent down. I think Warrior fans kind of groan. Uh, they, they've been recalled. Uh, for for tonight from Santa Cruz, as uh, Santa Cruz played last night and won uh, their season opener against the Stockton Kings, and so Pajemski scored 24 points last night. Trace Jackson Davis had a double double uh, and and scored 28. So he he had 28 and 12 last night. Uh, so both of those guys playing and playing well and helping the the, the G League squad get a victory, and and that's. that's they're going to be on the shuttle. Like those guys are going to go down and play, and come right back up. And so when they got sent down, they were sent down to be able to play for for Santa Cruz and get some minutes and all of that, and then can can be active and and maybe lesser contributors on what will be a back to back for them tonight as the Warriors take on the Cavaliers. Dan, I thought uh, when you mentioned Santa Cruz, you were going to give a, a Guy Santos shout out. Who uh, didn't Gee just take the last spot on the Warriors roster? He did. You know, some interesting. That's uh, an interesting move. I, I there was no vet that they brought in to the point where people were saying, you know, because the deadline you have to had to add a 14th man by Tuesday, and the deadline was coming up. And I, I think you know this is an opportunity for the Warriors to kind of to stash somebody. You know, sign a younger player that they really like, knowing full well that he's probably not going to play a whole heck of a lot or if at all but you keep him around the big club and you 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 know he's shooting if needed but you also i think with the way you structure things it becomes kind of a cost effective move to where you know if there wasn't a veteran that that blew you away to where you were signing a veteran minimum you can kind of you know, sign him as a as a younger player to a deal and somebody that you want to have around. So I, it made a lot of sense. I know it seemed unconventional. I think it, it, a lot of people thought, "Wow, he's he's coming in. He's ready to contribute." To me, this is more of a a future type move for the Warriors, and it's also a move of saying they don't think they needed a vet in that 14th spot. And really, none of the vets that they had brought in at any point, or any of the vets that they had talked about bringing in. Uh, that never quite made it to training camp were were of of need given the way that this season had started and I know Warrior fans screaming about needing a big I think Trace Jackson Davis has assuaged some of those concerns even if right now he's the third big on the depth chart for the Warriors and so uh, you know Kaminga and Moody have held up 
to where maybe they feel like there's there's lesser a need for a for another wing player uh, to to be able to to fit into the mix. Wiggins has been present and accounted for, so not a lot to add other than I understand why you could can use that roster spot with your three two-way players as well in Quinones and, and Robinson and, and Garuba, who who I think are probably all, for the most part, going to wind up being ahead of, of Santos on the, on the depth chart, barring some injuries. I think what's interesting going forward, again, getting back to Steve Kerr and the way he handles rookies, and to your point that maybe he's being a little bit more, uh, giving a little bit more of a rope to that of, of Trace Jackson Davis. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if he... Oh, yeah, the text line saying no Dwight Howard. Thank God. Don't get me going on that meatball. But anyways, when you talk about Trace Jackson Davis... Well, no, he was mentioned at coming to the Warriors. Like, please do not even entertain that. But Trace Jackson Davis and Steve Kerr... I, I'm just curious where Steve Kerr's mindset is at. Is he just bringing him along and incrementally will get more minutes or he'll prove that... He can provide a level of confidence to the coaching staff and Steve Kerr more specifically so that maybe he, he steals minutes from Sarich. Maybe he leapfrogs somebody in the rotation, whether that's Kaminga, whether that's Moody. Or does he stay in sort of this, you know, I'll bring you along. If there's a matchup that I think is favorable, you're going to get some time, which is probably the most pragmatic way to handle things. Uh, I, I'm just curious, does Steve Kerr, does does... Is there a, a scenario, again, where this kid can do enough where he becomes, as we get to the latter part of the season, he becomes, say, seven or eight in the rotation? I, I don't know about seven or eight, but I do think he can become somebody that plays every night or most nights, which, which I think would be a, a step from, from where he is right now. Like, I, I don't, again, to me, when you have 10, it doesn't really matter. Who seven eight nine is like you? You need to have guys that are do that do that. But like Trace Jackson Davis, I don't think is supplanting you know Gary Payton or Chris Paul as 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 six seven. And he's but but can he be somebody that is the next big up maybe over Sarich on some nights or somebody that's going to get five six minutes a half carved out for him on a lot of nights? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I I, I don't think. By any stretch, the Trace Jackson Davis is locked in to being the 11th man all year or being the third big. I mean, and, and look, he's not the 11th man every night, but basically right now he's 11 in the, in the Warrior pecking order if you're giving, you know, if you have to give everybody a number just based on the fact that, you know, the starters are one through five with, you know, and, and in any order, CP3, Gary Payton, Kaminga, Sarich. Uh, are and Moody are are six to ten. Regardless of what number you give them between six and ten, they're all six to ten, which means Jackson Davis is is eleven. But but who cares if he's eleven? <laughs> I think at, at at this point. Um, but that's not to say that he can't, even if that is his quote unquote number, can get an opportunity to to play more. And and look, going down and dominating in the G League is you know that that's. I don't know how much that helps him, but it's impressive to look at. And I'm looking at the stat sheet last time, 11 of 13, 28 points, 13 boards, had a block, plus 15, played 31 minutes. So, I mean, to me, it's, I mean, if that's not checking all the boxes as far as going down, I don't, I don't know what is. 
Yeah, and again, to get back to what I was saying earlier in the show, that I don't think it's by accident that Steve Kerr, after drafting a couple of teenagers in Moody and Kaminga, and even Weissman going back in the day, a couple of years ago, I, I don't think it's by accident that they went and got a kid who had been at a university for four years and was 23 years of age. And you're just, you're further along in life. And while it may not sound like, you know, a big leap from 19 to 22 to 23, it's, it's, it can be night and day, especially when you're talking about basketball IQ and more importantly, just a well-adjusted human being and a, and a grown man who I think sees life in more of a mature lens than maybe the average rookie. Uh, I, you know, There's a huge upside with this guy. I think that what he provides and why it's a perfect blend right now with the Golden State Warriors is because the Warriors right now, as they get older, they're no longer a team that is relying on the athleticism. And that, you know, that may sound counterintuitive when you see what it is that Steph is doing. But what I mean by that is that they know each other. Like, they know where to be. They know balance. They know how to move without the basketball. There's that sixth sense between those three and Wiggins and Draymond knows exactly uh, the dribble handoffs and Steph Curry. They're all connected, and they do it in more of a thinking man's game as far as being effective in their system offensively. But as they don't have to be as reliant on, the, on their physical tools as they get a little bit older and still be an effective basketball team, the balance with... When a Trace Jackson Davis comes on the floor and a Jonathan Kaminga and a Moody, and you immediately can recognize the young legs and the athleticism, guys that can just have the high motor and go up and down and don't have to worry about load management. Uh, it's, it's a unique blend that I think that Steve Kerr has right now where obviously he has his foundational pieces, but also mixing in just this, this young, youthful team of a bench of athletic guys that are just filled with energy from head to toe. It's a nice problem to have. It's a really strong balance. And I think, again, just going back to Trace Jackson Davis, I think the fact that he's played as much as he has played is an indicator that the Warriors trust him and that the Warriors do think if push comes to shove, he can play more. Look, he's, he's got to make his free throws consistently. He's done that after I think he had a one or one of five, one or six game. He's been better. Uh, he's got to be able to not foul a lot in the NBA game if he's going to play uh, you know, significant minutes. But again, the beauty of this thing is the Warriors really don't need him to play significant minutes this season. I, I think that's the, 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 you know, to his benefit and to the team's benefit is, you know, everybody's looking for the, for that, that big, who's that big that, you know, vertical spacing, shot blocking, ability to score around the basket off of, of plays that are made in the context of, of the Warriors offense, run around in transition. He has that ability. He has the ability to get out and move his feet on the perimeter defensively uh, as he continues to grow as a player. So, I, I, to me, he's a hell of an 11th man to have right now, and I, I don't think he's going to be an 11th man for, for long, uh, honestly, in, in his NBA career, even if, that isn't, even if that isn't something that comes to fruition this season. The Warriors don't need it to. I, I think what I'm curious to see, and I don't know, I'm assuming he can't do it, but I just haven't seen it, is whether he can shoot. Because usually everybody, and I don't care who you are these days, part of the resume, the prerequisite is you have to at some point address the line, the line being the three-point stripe as to whether he can step out there and provide sort of the balance that you were talking about, that you're not compromising. If you want to, if you want to take somebody, you know, you, you want to get Jokic or a big out of the paint, well, let's go, you know, let's stick 
uh, Trace Jackson Davis in the corner. Can he hit a short corner three? I, I don't know the, the the book on his game, JD, as to whether he can he can do any of that. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of unsure. No, and they don't. And and look at this point, you know, no, and they don't need him to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, it, 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 again, and I think you're getting down the line, maybe a little bit farther than than, than I you know want to go or or than would need to be gone uh, at, at this point. Again, I I just think it's a nice balance. That the Warriors have, as far as young and old, and and skill sets that complement each other, and you know everybody's kind of looking at this as you know, I, look, Warrior fans love the shiny you know young player. They they do. They they just they love it, and they love the shiny young athletic big. I think more than more than anything uh, on on top of all of that. So you know when Trace Jackson Davis, I, I do think Warrior fans, generally speaking, do tend to overrate. And value their their you know the, the some of the young players just because they're so eager to want to see if the next you know core group of players can be remotely as successful as the the Steph Clay Draymond you know core has been and also help that core in a complementary role get back to you know having an ability to contend for what would be a, a, a fifth championship so I, I think it all comes from a good place the the you know the fact that a good chunk of the warrior fan base is so high on Kaminga is you know even on nights where he doesn't play well so high on Moody when uh, you know he's been somebody that I think has yeah, been stout, solid I mean I, I, Moody, Moody I think you know, has seen his beginning to this season be an extension of the the playoffs and and last year and, and and his impact and and why they're so excited for for Trace Jackson Davis the only thing I would say and not to be a, a downer at all is just just take a deep breath and and enjoy and and just enjoy the ride because all of these guys are going to get opportunities to play it doesn't have to be you know twenty five minutes every game like he played eighteen minutes the other night like eighteen minutes against the Nuggets. Is that's that for a young player? That's playing a lot for a rookie, especially a rookie, uh, as you've mentioned a few times, playing for for Steve Kerr on a team that believes it can win a championship. You know, just to continue with that thought of just slow down, don't overreact, and just sort of enjoy the ride. Uh, Steph Curry, just I know all roads go mm. back to this guy, but you know what he's doing is just you may i know that in my lifetime i'm most likely never going to see a guy like that and unfortunately for warrior fans i know the thought process is well as these guys get older well let's just you know let's water and season the kamingas and the moody's and trace jackson davis i hate to be the bearer of bad news you ain't going to see another core like what it is you're enjoying over the last decade You'll be hard-pressed to find another Clay Thompson in a draft and another Steph Curry and a Draymond Green. I mean, God bless if you can, but what it is that you're experiencing in this ride you're going through, and especially when it comes to Steph Curry, because it's not going to last that long. And Steph Curry, what he was an MVP, I want to say, what, 15 and, and 16, wasn't it, when he went back-to-back? Back? Yeah, four, yeah, 14, yeah, 14, 15, and 15, 16, yeah. J.D., exactly. I, I would argue, and I know it's still early on in the season, he might be even better now. I, I don't know whether, you know, at the end of the year, whether he's going to be in that MVP conversation as he is right now. That's just remarkable when you think about it. He was in his 20s back in the day when he was an MVP, and now he's having an MVP-type season in his mid-30s. Just, you're not going to see another Steph Curry, and you're never going to see another core like this. And as good as maybe these pieces might be with Trace Jackson Davis, they are 
at their very best, going to be uh, they're going to be complementary pieces. They're going to be you know pieces of, that that sort of you know are uh, complements to what it is that the core is trying to do as far as winning a title. But just the old saying of just stop and smell the roses and relax, put your feet up and go. Oh, my God, I'll tell the grandkids grandkids about Steph Curry one day. I, I, yeah, Steph's on his own on his own level. He's diversified his game. I mean, we talked about the ability to get to the basket and and finish now, and and really get his own in in big moments in games like that. That to me, and and we can debate, and we did earlier whether the Warriors did enough against Denver to get him the ball in those positions. You know, they did on the last attempt to tie the game or win it with a three where he missed the the, the floating you know, left-handed layup but did they do enough to get him the rock in in other situations earlier than that but to me, to me that's the jump it's the strength it's the conditioning like he's put on the weight which allows him to take the wear and tear of somebody that's going to have to play a little more one-on-one uh, you know, to and and you know that's that was always and and maybe not even rightfully so but that was always one of the questions was, you know, can Steph play one-on-one, you know, like LeBron or Durant or Harden or, you know, any of these other, you know, Kobe, you know, when, when he was, uh, you know, still in the league. And so it just, like, to me, it's, it yeah, the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes, he can. And and do it in a real diverse way with, with the, the three-point shot, which a lot of them are in the context of the offense, but also creating his own. Like Again, the end of the Denver game to me is so indicative of his ability when he's got a really good defender on him that's taken away the three, to put it on the deck, to get by, to be able to get as good a look as he did on that layup. And that's a shot that we've seen him late in a lot of games when teams really run him off the three-point line. He goes and hits that layup over and over and over. He had three or four of them down the stretch of the game against the Kings that the Warriors stole on the Klay Thompson jumper. I mean, they were they were defending him and taking it away, and he said, okay, I'm going to go take my two now. And he can do that at will now. He's trying to set up the step-back three. Uh, the, so, you know, that's something that teams are trying to take away. He's still able to get it a lot of the time. So to me, it's the, it's the strength and the ability to, to play one-on-one and get to the basket and still have enough left in the tank to be knocking down shots at a high level from the perimeter. Yeah, when you think about his game back in the day, even when he won an MVP, I mean, he changed the game with him and his ability to address the three-point line and shoot it like nobody's ever done it in the history uh, of of the NBA, of the association. And and then he, he just got in the weight room and learned to play through contact. And while he would occasionally drive and finish, he's always been able to finish. Now it's become such an integral part of his game that, as you mentioned, like the other night, KCP did a good job, and if you're going to take away the three and overplay him, well, then he has no problem of getting to the rim. And again, he can play through contact as well as anybody. I think as when we talk about the bench this year, and as proficient as they have been, and as it relates to Steph Curry, and I mean, this is true for, for Draymond Green and Klay Thompson as well, but for the sake of this conversation, Steph Curry, it's... You worry about a guy who's now in his mid-30s towards the end of the season and especially the playoffs. Now, thankfully, in sort of a weird way and inadvertently, you know, the injuries have sort of been a blessing over the last couple of years for Steph Curry. He goes down and he doesn't play for a month. Well, that's, you know, that's him not getting any wear and tear on the court, and he has fresh legs for the postseason. Now, you don't want that to happen by design, but 
I think with what's happening with the bench is that you're getting, you know, it's sort of an indirect load management. In other words, he's he's playing like 28 to 31 minutes, and you don't need Steph on the floor as much because the bench, unlike years previously, when when Steph came off the floor, you just held your breath. And you were like, oh, my God, you're down five. Just don't be down 25 when he comes back into the game. And you, it's no longer that sort of thought process. And so as the bench has been improved, not only is it you know beneficial for everybody, but it also gives him, I think, it allows Steve Kerr to let the bench play more. And, and in, well, in doing so, go ahead, J.D., but I think in doing so, it decreases the minutes of that of Steph Curry. It, it does, and I think the other thing that it does, though, for the long haul is allow him to, to be able to be fresh and, and, and to be able to, in, on those nights where maybe the, it isn't clicking for the bench, the, the rare night to this point, if you want to go back to him with 10 minutes to go in a regular season game, you can do that knowing that there's been enough other nights where you haven't had to do that and you've still been able to win games. So I think there's a cumulative positive effect in a few, you know, fewer minutes here and there, keeping them closer to 32 as opposed to 36. I think that's the kind of thing that once you get to March and April allows him to play at an even higher level. I also think it's the kind of thing that, that once you get to the playoffs, those minutes that, that you didn't have to, to spend in the regular season, you can just add them to that playoff toll, and that makes the Warriors all the more difficult to beat. I think Steph also, in, in just broaching that subject, he said not only you know physically he enjoys the rest when the bench is playing so well, but I found this really interesting. He said this a couple of weeks back. He said mentally, he's like, you know, he didn't realize that when he wasn't in the game and it was, you know, Jordan Poole and company and they're crapping away another big lead, he said he was just so stressed. You know, mentally what he had to exert as far as like, oh, what's going on on the floor? Now he comes to the bench and he gets whatever his treatment and he sits there and he has a sense of confidence like everybody else that you're handing the keys now to another adult and Chris Paul and with the emergence of Jonathan Kaminga and Moody and every, all the before mentioned, the GP2 and in Sarich and company, just from a mental standpoint, it's been a huge sort of, you know, an opportunity to decompress for Steph Curry when he comes off the floor. It it helps the vibe, honestly. I mean it it, it just helps the soul, I, I think, of the team to to have others be able to contribute at at, at that level, Dan. I, I think it, it, it you know, when the Warriors are humming and have been and have won titles it's everybody everybody's doing their thing but everybody feels like they're a part of it and i think the the warriors are are able right now to try and get they're getting back to that where every it feels like everybody is a, a part of it up and down the, the the roster and they're winning enough which just breeds more good vibes and so yeah, i think it all works hand in hand it it helps your your youth and veteran balance in terms of you know everybody thinking that it just it to me, it's all in line with the pieces fit uh, w- with this team and, and just not knowing that while they still are extremely dependent on Curry, they don't necessarily have to be as dependent on Curry for as long in uh, a lot of these games. Yeah, and we could talk a little bit more about this. It's just 
they're not as dependent on Steph Curry because you have Chris Paul. But again, getting back to Chris Paul, I think one of the things that they need to, to iron out is just when those two are on the floor, it still looks a little bit awkward. And it's not a knock on Chris Paul. Uh, it's just I don't think that e- either the ball's in the hands of Steph Curry or it's not, especially late in games. And I, I just, you know, Chris Paul's role, as everybody was so concerned of, like, oh, he's never played in a slowdown offense. He's pick and roll. This is not going to work. Chris Paul has shown you that he's a smart basketball player and he knows how to play the game regardless of the system. Like, there, there's no issue with that. But I do think it's still a little undefined when those two are on the floor at the same time. It, it is. I, I, I think it's a balance. It's a balance of... The Warriors' traditional offense, I think it's a balance of the things that Chris Paul does to be his most effective, and then it's also picking the right moments to say it's Steph Curry versus everybody. And you know, it's the old joke, we have two plays. Uh, Steph, go get the ball and and get the ball to Steph. Right? Those are the two. And, and I think there are in in some of those stretches in some of these close games in the fourth quarter, maybe a, a few more times where the Warriors have to run the the get the ball to Steph or Steph go get the ball uh, kind of an offense. All right, he's Dan Devone. I'm John Dickinson. Two hours down. We got one hour to come. Eight at eight nine five seven ninety five seventy. It's Warriors this week right here on ninety five seven. The game. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.